Tigers on Cage. Shoots his goal! Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Bob Ridley. Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your host, Jesse and Lance. of the Tigers Uncaged podcast powered by South Country Co-op. This is where we sit and we talk about the Medicine Hat Tigers. Some good, some bad, but all in all, we dissect the team in the WHL. My name is Jesse, my co-host, who's in a remote location, Mr. Lance Dahl. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm on a deserted island. (laughs) All I have is a phone that I call with uh, satellite towers. (laughs) Well, even if you're at a deserted island, the big news that everyone is talking about, Corson Hopwo, no longer a Medicine Hat Tiger. Yeah, I uh, was looking at my my prep sheets for when I do color with Scott Roblin on on home games, and uh, it's sad having to move Corson off the sheet and take him away because, uh, I mean, such an integral part of this team for for his four and a half years with the Tigers, it's, uh, it's sad that he's no longer a member. Yeah, we were kind of, uh, you and I were texting back and forth when there were rumblings of what was going to happen, and then when it officially went off, uh, I was a little bummed. I mean, I know it's junior hockey. I know in sports in general, you can't really get um, connected to a person, because you never know, right? But I, yeah. for some reason, I thought Corson Hoppel was a lifer. I, I figured that he would be a guy that would, would stick around to the end. Yeah, so did I. I really did. I mean, we, we talked about as much, Scott and I did, on uh, the postgame show Saturday night, or, or Sunday it was actually, um, with like 12, 14 hours, whatever it was remaining until the end of deadline day. And uh, Scott asked me if I thought there was going to be any moves. And I said, not really. If, if there might be one, I maybe we'll see it in nets because I'm sure a lot of teams were calling about Garen Bjorklund, but I, uh, I didn't see the, the move of course in coming. Yeah, that's the one thing about deadline day. You always wonder what was going on behind the scenes because you hear about the trades that did happen, but you're always infatuated with what didn't happen. And I wonder if Willie got any calls in net, whether it be Garen or whether it be Beckett. I believe we have a really good one-two punch on our team for goaltending. So it kind of makes you wonder what did happen behind the scenes if there was anything. Yeah, I I suspect it's one of those things we'll obviously never know, but but definitely makes you wonder because... Yeah, like you mentioned, I, I don't think any of us saw this trade coming, but uh, but it's here, and of course we're we're gonna wish uh, Corson the best as he finishes out his Dub career in in Lethbridge. But uh, now the Tigers got to look to. Uh, to, to finish out this year and build for the future, I guess. Yeah, and shout out to uh, Corson Hoppo. He's been on the podcast before. Just a really good down-to-earth guy, and I know uh, uh, Lance and myself and the Tigers fan base are going to miss him and a huge addition for the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Can't all wait for that first Lethbridge game, man. And I can't even remember the last time Lethbridge and the Tigers, the biggest rivalry in junior hockey, did a trade together. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long time. It's been a long time coming. It doesn't happen very often, but this is what I think those – unique circumstances right so so we'll, we can get scott's opinion on that too because because you're right it's been it's been quite a while yeah and if anyone's gonna know it's gonna be scott roblin uh he's gonna join us here on the podcast and he's gonna dissect pretty much what the trade deadline was it was not as crazy as previous years but i mean some of the trades that happen i think are a big impact on teams especially in edmonton i mean they loaded up getting justin sort out of the vancouver giants another player that uh was representing canada at the 
World Juniors that was cut short and still an opportunity to represent Canada at the World Juniors down the road if that happens in the summer. But, uh, but yeah, Edmonton really loading up. So uh, they're clearly poised to make a run. You saw some moves out of Winnipeg as well. Uh, Kamloops getting involved. So uh, so the heavy hitters of the Western Hockey League this year were busy. Also dive into the weekend that was not the greatest for the Medicine Hat Tigers, losing in Moose Jaw, also losing two at home to Red Deer and Lethbridge. Not the greatest, but uh, we'll talk to Scott about that as well. He's coming. Come on. Check it out. Tigers Uncaged is powered by South Country Co-op. Tigers! More roar in a minute. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op, proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is... Water pressure. Without it, dirt, bugs, birds business, and everything else stays on. Thankfully, South Country Co-op Extreme Car Wash has the... Water pressure. State-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. Four locations, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Crescent Heights, and Strachan Road. This is your best wash. This is Extreme touchless car wash from South wash. Country Co-op. You're at home here. Water pressure. For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. Tigers Uncaged. Let's go! Powered by South Country Co-op. Here's your host. And I reveal myself to you all here. Jesse and Lance. Behold! I wanted to stay competitive, so I wanted to get a guy in here. And, you know, we could use a big center iceman, uh, right-handed shot. He's good on face-offs. Um, you know, whenever you're going to get something good, you're going to have to give up something good. So it was a matter, it was more of a lateral move that... Uh, well, I, we just felt that, you know, that center ice position would be good for us. I do like the idea of having a centerman that, you know, is good on draws and late in games, power play and that stuff. So uh, I think that, that that'll help us, um, you know, but uh, overall, we're just trying to find ways to, you know, to get our young guys better and, and keep improving. That's head coach of the Minnesota Tigers, Willie Desjardins, talking about the trade that happened. And, of course, uh, we kind of thought that the Tigers were going to be done. Welcome back to the podcast, by the way. Lance, we thought the Tigers maybe were done. I know Willie said in a clip that they were done. Seems like they were not. Yeah, I mean, we, we had this feeling that they weren't going to move any of the younger players, but then all of a sudden you you, you, you look at their roster and they have six players available that are either 19 or 20 this season. And, and he saw there was maybe some potential. It was funny talking with Scott Roblin, uh, you know, just not that long ago, we were, we were talking after their, their last home game there before the trade deadline about who maybe gets dealt. And I think uh, we, we both kind of leaned towards, towards potentially Garen Bjorklund, but all of a sudden it's Hoppo that goes. So, uh, in any case, bringing in Scott Robbins to the conversation. Scotty, are you surprised that Hoppo is out? Uh, yeah, I was fairly surprised that uh, he was he was shipped off to Lethbridge. Just considering this was his last year in junior and has been a career Tiger, 170 games in black and orange. And um, and then, yeah, he gets moved to uh, the biggest rival of the Tigers. So um, just with everything going on this year and the Tigers 
um, you know, wanting to, to keep as much leadership as they could. I was a little bit surprised he was on the move, but um, when uh, we were talking with Willie Desjardins, he said a big part of this trade was wanting to bring leadership and experience back. Um, you know, I think if they just dealt Corson Hoppo to, uh, to the Hurricanes just for picks or prospects, um, likely would have gotten higher than a fourth. But I think for Medicine Hat, it was important for them to get uh, an experienced player, a player with top six, um, you know, credibility and history in Logan Barlogi and picking up a draft pick uh, as well as this team looks to uh, kind of look ahead to the future and uh, the next couple of years. And I know that you probably shouldn't get attached to certain players because I know in sports, this happens, they're going to get traded. I'm not going to lie, Scotty, when you when you tweeted that Hopwell was on the move, I was crushed. I mean, we've talked about it before. He's a fan favorite. We've had him on the podcast. He is a very smart, well-spoken kid. But even before a home game, I'll usually get the boys out on the ice. And so I'm there, and he is the first one out of that locker room. He is the first one out there ready to go. Him and I would shoot the breeze, talk about sports, talk about anything. He is a very good kid. And uh, I'm not going to lie, as a Tiger fan, Pretty bummed that he's gone. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it right there. He's a fan favorite, and he's basically what the Tiger system can produce and can do at its best capabilities. He came to the team as a seventh-round draft pick. There wasn't a ton of hype around him. I mean, uh, he was scoring at the really solid clips with the Delta Hockey Academy, but, you know, seventh-round pick, uh, you kind of take their time and see where they land. And His rookie season with the Tigers had 17 points in 59 games, a solid start to his career, but playing a lot of, you know, third line minutes, fourth line minutes, some nights. And then uh, all of a sudden he gets put on that uh, top line with James Hamblin and you start to see his offensive production come and gain more confidence. And you start to wonder, okay, he's playing well. And um, is he going to be able to sustain this? And is it mostly because of playing with, with James Hamblin that you're seeing this offensive output? And then once Hambling graduates, he comes back to the Tigers for his third season in the development season um, and scores 14 goals in 23 games and has proven to be a top six forward in the Western Hockey League and has grown not only in his offensive abilities, his grittiness, uh, but his leadership as well. And he was a true leader for the Tigers over his 170 games and, and four seasons in black and orange. So, um, yeah, he, he was a fan favorite. Uh, you know, one of the, when he thought about the Tigers the last couple of years, you think about Corson Hopwell and what he brings um, in terms of his production, in terms of his ability to get under player skin and uh, crash into the corners. He was just kind of a perfect Tigers player in terms of uh, attributing all those different assets into his game. And I know this year was a bit of a, uh, a disappointment for Corson just with that injury he suffered back in November and, um, you know, missed a, a good chunk of his overage season to this point. Um, you know, we, we obviously are hoping that he's now going to possibly get a shot at some playoffs this year, which wasn't looking too likely here in Medicine Hat. So um, that'd be awesome to see Corson being able to get that if Lethbridge is able to qualify. But, um, yeah, it's a tough loss for the Tigers. I mean, he's just exemplified everything about the organization, about hard work and working your way up, and nothing was given to Corson Hoplow. He proved a lot of people wrong over his time here with the Tigers. And, um, yeah, he's going to be uh, go, going down as one of the more well-remembered medicine app players over the last couple of years. Yeah, 100%. I think, Scott, you hit the nail on the head when you say that he kind of exemplified what it was to, to be a Tiger. So uh, so I was definitely going to miss Corson. Uh, moving forward, and I think this group uh, now has uh, a little bit more down the middle, and, and I believe head coach Willie Desjardins mentioned as much in a conversation that you had with him, Scott. Uh, now your centers for this team on your top four lines kind of looking like McKenzie, Wiseblatt, 
McNeil and Barlogi sliding in. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what that means for, for Stephen Arp, who was typically playing center when he was in the lineup. Uh, Andrew Basha at times was playing center on that fourth line when Arp wasn't in. Uh, I, I guess now this gives these players uh, who are rookies in the league an opportunity to develop with a little less responsibility. Is that kind of what we're looking at? Yeah, it's a little bit less pressure for, for them to perform down the middle and they can play on the wing a little bit. So, I mean, you brought up Weisblatt and he's had success both at center and on the wing, so you can shift him around a little bit. Um, for most of the season, you know, Stephen Arp's been playing kind of that fourth line center position. So he might be um, continuing to be in and out after this trade. But um, Medicine Hat really is shoring up their, their center position in Barlocky. He's huge. He's six foot five, over 200 pounds. Um, and he shoots right, uh, which I think is a big thing for the Tigers on the faceoff side as well. Um, he's played in a lot of big game situations, can play special teams. Um, and he is going to slot in. Um, you know, we were asking Willie Desjardins about kind of where Barlogi might slide into the lineup. And he said that, you know, it's mostly going to be a depth play. They're, they're still going to roll their lines through and there's not going to be one necessarily top line. But Barlogi's going to get a lot of minutes. Um, and he still has that leadership ability. He was an alternate captain with the Hurricanes, um, has Tigers bloodlines. His dad used to play a medicine hat for uh, a short chunk of time in, in the late 80s. Um, he is going to be a fascinating player to watch. And I think, you know, it, it, Willie Desjardins said it was kind of a minor part of the deal, but um, obviously when you trade away a player like Lucas Vykovsky, it leaves a little bit of a void down the middle. And, um, you know, Willie did bring up that Lucas played wing mostly the last couple of years and kind of shifted to center when Cole Sillinger went to the NHL. But losing a, a player like that kind of opens up a bit of a hole down the middle. And I think the Tigers not only wanting to get a fourth-round pick in this deal and kind of build towards the future, I think they looked at their roster and said, we can maybe spare a little bit from the wings to improve down the middle um, and give a little bit more confidence to uh, even a player like Tyler McKenzie, who's worked his way into top-line duty over the course of the last uh, couple weeks here and has played extremely well, leads the team in scoring. Um, But this kind of takes a little bit off of his play. Tyler McKenzie's still extremely young in this league, so I think it allows him to kind of still focus on his development and what he's been able to do this year and have a guy like Logan who comes into the lineup already knows what this league is about. I mean, he's set to play his 260th game in the Western Hockey League coming up on Friday night in Saskatoon. Um, he's a guy who's seen it all. Is a fourth overall pick in his draft year um, in, in the, uh, the WHL draft. So he's a guy who's already been through a trade in a 16-year-old season. So just a lot of experience and uh, a lot of, you know, offensive firepower as well. I mean, he uh, just a couple of years ago had 58 points in 61 games. And um, this is going to give him an opportunity to play a lot of minutes for Medicine Hat down the stretch. Okay. All right. Uh, Two-parter for you, Scott. I I know you got a chance to talk to Willie Desjardins. Did he mention at all if the Tigers were – in on any other calls because I mean I, I'm with you guys Lance you said it in the start of the the podcast here I kind of thought that maybe a Bjorklund maybe a, a Beckett maybe one of those would go because we have a very good one-two punch when it comes to goaltending so I wonder if the Tigers were in on any other talks that maybe didn't fall through and also when the hell was the last time that we did a trade with the Lethbridge Hurricanes we're supposed to be a rival we're not supposed to help each other out. <laughs> well, I think to, to address the first part, I don't think the Tigers were really uh, doing a whole lot else other than uh, the, the Hopwell-Barlogi deal. You, you still have to remember that this was an extremely quiet trade deadline. There was only nine trades, I think, in the entire WHL 
that were made. Now, it did involve some big-name players, uh, most notably Justin Sordiff going to the Edmonton Oil Kings, which is even making that team more stacked with five uh, World Junior Team Canada members now on that roster. But I, I don't think there was a whole lot of other conversations other than the Hoplo and Barlogi deal. Um, now, saying that, the Tigers did get a lot of their work done early with the Svekovsky trade and then also bringing in uh, Botarov and Lee from Saskatoon in that three-team deal. So um, Medicine had to see a, a lot of change over the last couple of weeks, and this adds uh, a lot more. I mean, the, the loss, of course, in Hoplo in the dressing room is definitely going to be felt, and um, you know, Barlaghi is able to slide in there and help uh, kind of alleviate some of that. But uh, I think for Medicine Hat, they didn't want to make too many changes, especially with the young roster down the stretch. They've made their big moves um, and are addressing for the future as well in, in getting, you know, especially a player like Pasha Botcherov on, on defense. Um, addressing the Lethbridge Medicine Hat thing, it has been a long time. And, and I asked Willie about that, about, you know, the the – rivalry from the fans perspective being bumped up a notch and he said it was you know like a fun byproduct of what happened and talking to logan as well he really said that he's going to be fired up the next time he uh, faces off against the lethbridge hurricanes there's still games down the stretch it's gonna be extremely weird to see corson hoplo wearing the uh, the blue and red of the hurricanes uh, over the last half of the season here but speaking to logan he says uh, he's extremely excited for those games and it's gonna have a little bit more jump in his stuff for sure for what it's worth, that next opportunity, Saturday, February 19th at Co-op Place when the Tigers and Lethbridge Hurricanes meet next. So uh, that's coming up in not too long. Scott, I wanted to ask you something about the Western Hockey League as a whole. You mentioned trade deadline day, only nine deals done. Uh, early June, slated for the Memorial Cup in St. John, New Brunswick. Was there a lack of activity, you think, potentially because of the uncertainty on the rest of this uh, season and potentially further? I think so. Um, you know, one of the solutions that teams have come up with to try and alleviate some of those concerns is, you know, putting conditions on a lot of the draft picks. Um, the Tigers did that with uh, the two picks. Sorry, I guess I should say uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds did that on a pair of draft picks that came back to Medicine Hat in the Spakovsky deal. Uh, it was for a first, second, and third. And the first round pick was guaranteed for this upcoming draft, but the second and third are conditional. And I believe it does hinge on the number of games played, if there's playoffs, um, you know, if players are able to get into the lineup for their respective teams. And um, I think you're seeing that across the league. And just with everything going on, there's a lot of hesitancy about acquiring new players. And, um, you know, if they have to quarantine for uh, 10 days or whatever, that's a good chunk of the season when you're going down the stretch drive, the, the back half. Look, even going back to the Svekovsky deal, Lucas Svekovsky has not played a game for the Seattle Thunderbirds at this point. So the, if that continues, then um, we might see those conditions kick in on those picks and they might go back to Seattle and Medicine Hat would just get that first rounder, um, which I'm not saying is a, is a bad thing. I, I think there needs to be conditions just with the WHL season, but there, there's still a possibility that at the end of the season, depending on postponements, shutdowns, pauses, as we've seen over the last month or so, you could have teams that play an uneven amount of games and you could possibly have to go down the points percentage on, on who makes playoffs. Um, so there's a lot left up in the air. And I think that general managers were maybe a little bit more hesitant than in past years to throw away draft picks. And um, again, I think with how condensed the schedule is down the stretch drive and how close, especially in the East that uh, the standings are, uh, I think first round draft picks and things like that were, um, you know, not a lot of general managers were willing to give that up because you go on a five, six game losing skid, all of a sudden you drop like five, six spots in the standings. 
and all of a sudden you've given up a, a top 10 pick in, in the upcoming draft. So um, I think there was a bit of hesitancy, but you are seeing the, the big teams buying in and making moves. I think the sort of deal, you know, elevates Edmonton even more, and this is their year to go for it. They pretty much sold all their draft picks for this year and the next year. Um, and now they have, like I said, five members of Team Canada's World Junior roster on on their team with with the addition of sort of. Uh, you've seen the Winnipeg Ice make moves. They traded for um, Jack Finley um, about a month ago from the Spokane Chiefs, and they added Chase Wheatcroft from the uh, Lethbridge Hurricanes as well. So I think those two teams especially are pretty much all in. And then I think it's just so close between the rest of the teams. You don't want to make a, a panic move as the clock ticks down on deadline day that um, if you fall on the standings, which could very well happen for a lot of these teams if they go on a losing skid, uh, could really bite them for the next couple of years. Man, those Oil Kings, they better hope that there's a playoff because they put a lot of, <laughs> lot of effort into getting this team. Uh, I had no idea that Sveg wasn't playing yet. Do we know why he hasn't played for Seattle? Uh, not 100% sure. Um, you know, I know that heading down to the States and going down there, there was you know, possible quarantine and, and a few other things. But, um, you know, there hasn't been any confirmation on when he's going to get into the lineup for Seattle. So, um, yeah, it's just be something we're going to watch, uh, I guess, over the next couple of weeks here to see if and, and when he'll be able to play for Seattle. And that's wild that he hasn't played yet. I hadn't even noticed, to be honest. That's crazy. Holy smokes. Um, uh, last one for me, Scott, and it, it's kind of around what we were, what Jesse was just asking or, or talking about with the Edmonton Oil Kings, but – and what you've been referencing, obviously picking up sort of is a huge addition uh, and everyone seemingly, uh, if, if you're not in a playoff race, you're watching and waiting for the collision between Winnipeg and Edmonton in the Eastern Conference at some point in the playoffs. Uh, is, Edmonton, is Edmonton rather the, I guess, betting favorite in your mind for not only the Eastern Conference, but the Western Hockey League? Obviously, Everett looks good. Kamloops has done a few things. And uh, and Winnipeg is is obviously right there, and and I mean they're actually at the top of the Western Hockey League standings, so it's not to discredit them, but you, you can't help and look at what Edmonton has both up front and uh, in net on the blue line, like just all around. It, it's hard to imagine that they're not the favorite, no? Yeah, I think the the trade of Sordiff will elevate them into that favorite status. Um, they're only one point back at the ice for first place in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, you do see that drop-off happen kind of with Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Everett. Um, even in the West, uh, Everett is still uh, 11 points up on Kamloops for first place uh, out in, in that conference. So you are seeing a bit more separation. Um, you know, the Red Deer Rebels are still hanging in there. Seattle, Portland, Kamloops also uh, with strong seasons to this point. But, you know, when we talk about the rest of the Eastern Conference, from the Brandon Wheat Kings and Saskatoon Blades, who are tied for fourth place in the conference with 40 points, you go down to Prince Albert, who are 11th, um, second last in the conference, and there's only 10 points separating uh, about nine teams right now. So it's so incredibly tight for these playoff positions in the East, especially. Um, there's going to be a lot of competition, but I think you've seen over the first half of the season kind of the, the top teams elevate their games. Um, I, I still think it's going to be either Winnipeg or Edmonton coming out of the East, especially with the moves they've made. Um, if they do face each other in the Eastern Conference Finals, I think it's going to be one of the most anticipated playoff matchups that we're going to see in the Western Hockey League for quite a while. Um, but we have seen, and there's been a history of this, of big teams trading away picks and loading up, and then they just have a bad five, six game stretch in the playoffs and they're bounced in rounds two or three. 
Um, that could very well happen to either Winnipeg or Edmonton. Um, every once in a while, you see a team catch fire in the postseason, and um, nothing is guaranteed in the Western Hockey League. So it's going to be extremely entertaining down the, the backstretch to see who emerges, who comes up with the big clubs, and uh, especially for the rest of the teams where they shake out because seeding is going to be extremely important to this playoffs. Is there a team that maybe is looking like a sleeper that you think can do some damage in playoffs? Like I look at, at Brandon and, and Saskatoon potentially as a couple that, uh, that, that could be problems. Yeah, in the East, uh, I think you named it. I think the Brandon Weekings are one to watch. Um, that top line is so dynamic. Um, they're getting scoring throughout the lineup. And I think when we were talking with uh, Don McGilvery, uh, the head coach of the Brandon Weekings, and also Brandon Crow, the play-by-play voice, they both brought up Jake Chason, an NHL drafted forward who has not played a game yet this year and is anticipated to come back into the lineup uh, from injury before the, uh, the playoff starts. Um, so that is going to be a huge acquisition, a huge add to the Wheat Kings lineup. Um, they have all their players back from World Juniors uh, in Ridley Craig and uh, Vincent Iorio, who is with Canada at the World Junior Camp. They're getting solid goaltending from Ethan Kruger and, uh, and Bjarnason. Uh, this is a team possibly to watch, and they've been able to really – overcome the struggles and the hurdles they had in the first half of the season with not really being able to ice much of a roster due to injuries and players out of the lineup. Um, that, that's going to be a team to watch down the back stretch for sure. Uh, one more, because I know you do have to go. Uh, one more. Let, let, talk about the weekend that was. I know it was very frustrating. Tigers losing all three games in Moose Jaw, and then they lost Saturday, Sunday at home. Just not the great weekend for the Medicine Hat Tigers. Aside from the power play not working, what do you think went wrong this weekend? I think a big part of it was, you know, quite honestly, maybe a bit of fatigue setting in. Um, the third periods in both um, Saturday and Sunday's games were two of, I'd say, the worst periods for the Tigers this year. Um, they just didn't have a lot of jump. They weren't able to cross the blue line with speed. Um, the, the opposition would attack in the offensive zone for 45 seconds, and the Tiger just, Tigers would just clear it back out to center ice or to the opposing blue line, and the other team would set up and attack again. Um, I think it was fatigue setting in for this team a little bit, and um, cleaning up those third periods is going to be big. But, you know, Willie had another interesting quote this week when uh, he was asked about um, the losing and just, you know, three straight games with a loss and being swept over the weekend and, um, you know, allowing some big offensive performances from the other side. And he said, this is how teams learn. And he said, it's easy when teams are winning just to roll right along, but you don't really learn anything. He said, this is where you learn the most in the Western Hockey League when you lose like this. Uh, but he also said, I want these players to go through this. I want them to figure themselves out and how to play in this league. And then I never want to go through this again with this group after this losing skid here. So there's learning, there's opportunities, and uh, the Tigers are hoping that uh, the lessons will be learned and they'll be able to, to focus on the wins and the points uh, either this season or next season as this team grows a bit older. And you have to remember, I had a great conversation with the Tiger fan over the weekend. We were, we were talking about the team. This is our rebuilding because COVID screwed us out of winning a championship. Let, let's be honest. I, the team that we had when, we, when everything shut down, I believe was a WHL championship team. So when you win a championship, it takes you about two, three years to get that team back to what you want. So I believe that we are in the rebuilding stage. Did and, we win a championship? No, we got screwed because of COVID. But th- oh. this was definitely a championship team two years ago before they shut it down. They yeah. they were on, what, a six-game winning streak? I believe they would have made a run. Yep, I yeah, am with you. Six-game six game winning streak going into playoffs. They finished second in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they, definitely, they definitely had a shot, for sure. So, of course, and then you look at the season after there are no fans, that's okay because maybe we would have been okay. But the second year in, how many teams are dominant 
like for years after they win a championship. It's kind of rare that you build a dynasty in junior hockey. Yeah, it's, I mean, and that's why when you see teams like Brandon and, um, you know, teams like the Edmonton Oil Kings for certain stretches of time, um, being able to ice, you know, first, second place teams year after year, it's incredibly impressive because usually what happens is you load up for a championship run, it either works and you win a championship or it doesn't, and you don't have any draft picks left in your cupboard and most of your prospects are shipped out and you go through a couple of lean years. Um, the Tigers, not necessarily saying that they have no draft picks and the, no prospects, but this is a 100% rebuilding year for the Tigers. On points percentage alone, this is tied for the uh, the second worst points percentage um, in the history of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Um, they have seven wins in 35 games. Um, it's it's probably going to go down statistically as one of the, the toughest seasons for the Black and Orange, but if they're able to get a top five, top three, maybe even the first overall pick coming up in next year's draft um, and build a, a strong roster, I thought the Tigers did excellent in the the whl draft last month um there there's hope and there's a lot of good players that are coming into the system now and will be coming into the system in the spring with the draft as well all right well hey we're looking forward to it uh tiger's gonna be back in action this weekend in saskatoon and in prince albert scott will have the call right here on chat 94.5 and uh hey if we do get that first overall pick we just make sure columbus stays the hell away from us scott as always (laughs) we appreciate your time buddy yeah i appreciate guys more hockey talk on the way with Tigers Uncaged. Powered by South Country Co-op. If we asked your car how it felt, it wouldn't respond. It's a car. But if we added some magical pixie dust and then asked, it still wouldn't answer. That only happens in the movies. But if we ask how you felt about having to fill your car, you'd probably say, I wish I got something out of it. Well, co-op members earn money on every liter filled at co-op gas bars. Fill up today on Strachan Road, 13th Avenue, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Redcliffe, Eagle Butte, and Dunmore, and Oyen. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. We've been been part of the farming community for generations. Planning, advising, getting our boots dirty, helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision, grown with care, and grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op, proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. The talk of Tigertown. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance, powered by South Country Co-op. I've done it before when I was 16, and it was a lot different when I was younger. And and uh, going to a team with a bunch of old guys, it's intimidating. But being an older guy now, I think I have a bit of a leadership presence, and and I know the right things to say and the right things to do. So I think uh, I think I'll be able to transition pretty easy and. Uh, just help the team out. That is the newest Medicine Hat Tiger coming from the Lethbridge Hurricane, Logan Barlogi. Talked a lot about him with Scott. Uh, very excited. He, you know, Willie said it also in that little snippet we played. They still wanted to be competitive, even though they're on a losing streak, probably not going to make the playoffs. But 
Willie, in true Willie fashion, still wants to be competitive, believes that getting Logan is the right way to do so. Yeah, and I think he just shores up the center ice position a lot for this team. I mean, uh, for the most part of the season, and I, I mean, even up until this trade and afterwards, you're still going to see quite a young center ice core with uh, Barlogi kind of heading the way along with Tyler McKenzie, Oasis Weisblatt, and Owen McNeil. Um, you, you had Stephen Arp mixing time in at center, uh, so not sure what his uh, plans, I guess, moving forward are, if he's going to transition to the wing. Andrew Basha, uh, ever since being recalled, has split time on the wing and at center. So uh, I, I guess addressing a need and seeing a way to maybe help his young players develop, that's that's what I'm thinking this one is more than anything. But uh, just, just overall, it's an, it's an interesting trade, and it's uh, a bit of a strange position for Barlogi and Hoppo to now be in because you go, like you mentioned earlier, to a top rival and and both teams flirting with the outskirts of the playoffs. Obviously, the Tigers more on the outskirts than the Hurricanes, but, but it's an, an interesting, uh, I guess, concept for both players to have to accept. Imagine that first game, co-op place, you got the Hurricanes, Tigers, Barlogi, Hoppo just dropped the mitts, opening face-off, just like, hey, this is my new team, let's go. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not an impossible thought. That's that's the thing, right? It's, it's not something that... Uh, that, that is super surprising if it were to happen. And I, I mean, I can just imagine what those first couple of days were like for, for both Hoppo and Barlogi walking into their new rooms and seeing guys they've battled with for years on end and, and, and now having to be teammates with one another. It's interesting. Now, we didn't really get a chance to talk to Scott about the weekend that was. He kind of said what, what he believes went wrong and all that. But as someone who you got a chance to watch Saturday and Sunday up close calling the game, Obviously, the power play wasn't working. I don't think the Tigers scored a power play goal this weekend, to be honest. What, no. what what needs to change with that power play? It's easy for me to just say, you know, shoot the puck more. What What's going wrong with that with that power play right now? I think it's just new faces and new spots, and everyone's kind of getting an opportunity. So with that, you're going to see a bit of an adjustment period. I mean, over the weekend, we didn't see... Bogdan's hot-ass quarterbacking a power play like we had earlier in the year, which I found a little surprising considering how well he was doing on the power play. But, uh, but they kind of went in a different direction to, to quarterback that power play with Drew Krebs on one unit and Dan Baker on the other, uh, which obviously makes a lot of sense as well. Both are uh, experienced players with this team, with the system. I, just, I was a little surprised to, to maybe not see hot-ass quarterbacking one of those units like we had saw earlier in the season. But I don't even know if it's if it's more the the power play just not running. Obviously, you don't have a good weekend; it's going to stand out. But I think it's almost more concerning to to see the amount of goals that are given up per game. And uh, I don't think that's that's a goaltending thing. That's more of just a defensive system where you you look at. I think they gave up 17 goals over three games last weekend. So uh, you're just not going to be able to outscore that many goals night in and night out to win games. Very true, very true. I will say um, the, the Saturday, Sunday, really like the play of uh, Brendan Lee. I think that he's really come around. Uh, I'm very, him and Basha, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the future holds for them. Yeah, Brendan Lee will become an overage player next year for this team. They're already cemented in their three overages for next season with Brendan Lee being one of them along with Garen Bjorklund, assuming he comes back from Washington and uh, currently all indications point that he will. And then uh, Noah Danielson would be your other overage player for uh, for next season. So so Lee's going to slide in, and he's immediately kind of taken on a bit of a leadership role, especially on that second line. He's looked great, though. I mean, he, he fits in well. He can do a lot of things. Uh, he just plays the right way. So uh, obviously he was really excited to get Brendan Lee a part of that trade 
when they acquired Pasha Botcharov and uh, everyone was excited about Botcharov, didn't really know uh, where Lee was and how he would slot in. And I think Tigers fans are learning a lot about him pretty quick. Now, uh, no rest for the Wicked this weekend. Uh, Tigers going to be, I believe they're in Saskatoon, and then they're also Mm -hmm. in Prince Albert. Two very hard games, and then Tuesday going to be the next home game. Saskatoon coming back um, to play. We were talking about teams that maybe could make a run, or some, some surprising teams, and we were talking about Brandon. Could you even put Saskatoon in there? Yeah, Saskatoon's definitely worth the conversation. I mean, what they've done so far this season, they, they've played well. They have depth up and down the lineup. And, I mean, you look some of the, the acquisitions they've made in recent memory. They've traded for Noah Boyko, who was a former first-round pick that was playing in Lethbridge. So Boyko now a part of that team. Uh, at the deadline, they traded for Josh Pilar. Uh, we, we have to hope the best for Pilar because – it uh, sounded like he was traded for personal reasons uh, to be closer to home. He's a warm and Saskatchewan native. So uh, he got dealt from Kamloops back to Saskatoon and hopes to be closer. So hopefully everything's okay with him. But assuming uh, Pilar's in the lineup, that's just more depth for them as well. And, and they have one of the top goalies in the league in Nolan Myers. So yeah. uh, you, you kind of look up and down that lineup. They have an opportunity to continue trending in the right direction. They're going to be a tough out. That entire East division, uh, everything that makes the playoffs is, is going to be uh, definitely a quality team. So so it's never going to be easy playing a team out of Saskatchewan or Manitoba. No, going to be a wild second half of the season, and you never know. I think the Tigers uh, would like to play spoiler. They are going to play spoiler in a lot of games, and uh, I can't wait to see it. Tigers in action this weekend. You can catch all the action. Scott Roblin will have the call on Chat 94.5. We appreciate the hell out of you if, if you downloaded this, if you're listening to it on Chat 94.5 or any of your streaming platforms. You got any predictions? Think the Tigers could pull one out this weekend? Um, I, I think they're going to have a more inspired effort against Saskatoon, and might be able to catch him a little off guard with some new faces in there and everyone just trying to adjust to one another and and Prince Albert's another opportunity for him as well I mean listen this team has nothing but opportunity in front of them whether it's to earn a bigger role for next year uh, to cement your spot in the lineup moving forward to become an impact player like these guys have a a lot of opportunity in the second half of the season so I would expect more often than not we get some better efforts out of them. Yeah, and you know, you were talking about the power play. I think this is the moment where Willie's going to kind of experiment with lines and the way people work the power play, and and why not? Because at this point, you really have nothing to lose. Lance, uh, as always, appreciate you, buddy. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Powered by South Country Co-op. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season. Oh, stop.